Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to go over and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'll have that in the description down below. Um, that really helps us out, get some more exposure, um, get some feedback too. We always want to know what you're thinking of the pod. Um, psyched to be joined by my, my friend and friend of the pod today, Alex Golden from over at Setting the Pace. Um, Alex, how are you doing today, man? Mark, it's a pleasure to be on and talk basketball with you once again. Uh, a lot of exciting things going on right now in the Pacers world, and we're almost, uh, what is it now, six days away from preseason action, so I'm excited. Yeah, I know it's kind of a, it's very nuts to look at it and think, A, <laughs> that the season is starting in, in December. Um, haven't had that since the lockout year, um, so that's, shoot, I mean, I'm 23 now, so I think I was I was 14 when the lockout year happened, so it's it's been yeah, a while, yeah. man. Um <laughs> So that's going to be different. I mean, preseason, I still, I, I'm still like enamored that preseason's happening. It's kind of remarkable. Um, but yeah, I, we have a lot to look forward to, man. Absolutely. It's, it's exciting though. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed what I've seen from Pacers Twitter about all these, uh, all, all of training camp. It seems like a good time over there at uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse and the uh, St. Vincent's uh, facility center. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first things I wanted to hit on. I mean, obviously you had uh, Doug McDermott's comment yesterday about how this is the most fun training camp he's ever been a part of. Um, it, so far, I mean, the vibes, I, I hate using the word vibes. It seems so unprofessional, but like, I mean, that's true. Just like the, the vibes coming out of training camp are really positive. Like, um, you know, every single presser has been fairly upbeat and no one's had anything bad to say about Nate Bjorken. And obviously, even if they did, they would not. Um, because it is a press conference and you know they have that, that stuff's controlled um, but regardless I think there's just a lot of good things coming out of this compared to what last year looked like um, but I think there was one thing that that really stands out that I want to talk about really quick because it was as you I'm sure you're aware uh, blew up all over Pacers Twitter yesterday Nate Bjorkren uh, refuses the wrong word but he did not name a starting five which is the complete opposite of what Nate McMillan would always do um, he'd always name his starting five at the beginning of training camp, I believe you said, um, yeah. and pointed out, um, which I, I believe that's true. Um, so it's just a very different feeling. I, I think some people went a little bit too far with it, but at the same time, it, it is interesting. And I kind of wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So I, when I saw that, I was like, well, that's funny because like you said, it is so opposite of McMillan because I mean, McMillan even did it earlier than that. It's like after they went out and made like the moves that they made, like they went out and got Collison the first year and Bojan, he kind of just came out and said who the starting five was going to be. Same thing when they, you know, traded for Vic and all that. Like, it's just, it's just funny to me. Like he just comes out and says, here's what we're going to do. I think the biggest one that I remember was after the Jeff Teague trade. He's like, oh, we're going to start Jeff and Monte and Paul. Like he would just name all these players. Yeah. But um, with Bjorken, I think it's kind of a smart thing not to determine a starting five because I've kind of been feeling this way for a while with Kevin Pritchard's comments saying they need to play TJ Warren at the four more Goga needs more minutes, you know, all these different variations. I feel like this team is not going to have a set starting five all year long. I think it's going to be more so a core of the four, which is Warren Sabonis, Oladipo and Brogdon. I think Turner will get the majority of the starts, but I feel like if a matchup is, you know, predicated on them playing smaller, 
you could see maybe McDermott start in there for Turner, or you could see, you know, Jakar or something. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like they're going to make a lot of different moves this season to try to, you know, not just have this set in stone. This is how we play. This is what we're going to do. They're going to be very adaptive. And I think for me personally, that's what I feel like. That's what he means when it comes to the starting five. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that makes sense. Um, I, I've thought about that as well. I don't know if you got a chance to read my piece uh, that I wrote on the rotation. I think that was last week. Um, but I, I think there are just so many questions I have about how he's going to roll things out. And I'm, I'm so excited to watch the a preseason game. I can't believe I'm saying I'm excited to watch a preseason game, but I am. Um, it's, we, have, we haven't had basketball for like 60 days and it feels like years. Yeah. Um, and I know we're probably not going to be able to glean that much from a preseason game, but like you're mentioning, I mean, I just think that there are so many ways that this rotation uh, is could factor out and it's going to be really interesting. And I think a lot comes down to miles. Um, and like you're mentioning, I mean, is he, I, I agree. I think he's going to start the majority of games, but the way that, that things are going to be tinkered with, um, you know, I think there are a lot of ways it could go. Oh, no, there's not that about it. I mean, and there could be some times where, like, you know, we have players resting on back-to-backs where you get a different variation of lineups. I mean, I think that's one thing that's going to happen a lot this year with how many injuries mm-hmm. just the guys suffered, like just minor ones. Like Brogdon suffered, like, 10 minor injuries last year and just allowing time for him to, like, rest up, you know. Same thing with Oladipo. Like, this is a guy that you're really banking on hopefully returning to some form of what he once was when he was an all-star. And if he is that, I mean, then you've got a really good chance to compete. So I look at this roster and I think, you know, there are, you know, plenty of guys you can plug and play. And unfortunately with McMillan, you know, he kind of was just by the book. Here's what we're going to do. Here's my starting five. We're not going to change much. Um, And he only changed when he had to, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to try something new. If they were losing with the same lineup, he'd keep rolling it out just because he had faith in that team, and that's who he thought was his best five. But I think Bjorkren, more modern style, and I'm just – I mean, you said a preseason. I've never been excited that much about preseason basketball, but I I think with a new coach and a new system, we don't know what it's going to look like, and I think that's why we're so eager to watch preseason just to kind of get a glimpse and a taste of what this new offense might look like. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's an interesting point you bring up about the back-to-backs because I think that'll totally factor in. Um, you know, I've spoken on this a couple of times and written on it. I'd, I'd be surprised if Victor plays back-to-backs at all. Um, and given how the schedule is going to stack out, I, I have to go through and look at the actual back-to-backs in the schedule. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not playing in them. Um, and it's a good point about Brogdon too, because if you don't want him to play back-to-backs, well, then how do you, how do you work with that with Victor? Are they swapping games? um right back to backs like I, I don't know it's just kind of there's going to be a lot of funk there um one of the other questions i have for you um goga not that's obviously not a question but <laughs> looking at goga and his place on the team um i think that's where my biggest question keeps coming back to you know looking at how everything wants to shake out um you know obviously uh, kevin pritchard had talked about wanting to get goga more minutes or not even wanting to having to get goga more minutes um, I'm just very much at the place where like, where is that happening? How is that happening? Um, yeah. How no, are that's... you kind of feeling about that move forward? Because I, I guess the way that I look at it is obviously it's important that you find a way to make miles and, uh, and Domas work or function at its best. Um, but it seems like that's going to be just so difficult to have happen without, um, without hindering, you know, Goga's development. Well, and that's the thing, because I think, almost all of us doing podcasts were kind of, 
you know, trying to figure out which what Kevin Pritchard was saying when he was like, you know, you know, Miles got to shoot more threes and Warren's got to play at the four and Goga's got to play more. And then there's a bonus like there's only so much time for these guys yeah. to get on the court. And that is the million dollar question. How are we going to get these guys involved? So, you know, similar to the to the back to backs, I think you could see maybe Sabonis take some games off every once in a while just to get some rest, let Turner start. And then Goga has that permanent backup center role. I think there could be games maybe where you you start Goga just to give him a chance to see what he looks like. If you're playing like a bad team like Cleveland or something like that, that's not really competing this year for the playoffs, you know, just to give those guys a rest and kind of see what he can do. I mean, unfortunately, I I guarantee there's going to be some cases of COVID as well Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the season, and that could determine whether, you know, who plays and who doesn't play. So he could get opportunities there. But I think on a consistent basis, like if you're going to start Turner and Sabonis for the majority of your of your season, you got to get Goga in there with the with the second unit, but I'm not sure minute wise where I want him at. I would say probably close to 15 minutes a game would be fine with me, but I just I mean, I kind of want to see what it would look like if he and Turner played together, um, him and Warren together, and actually I would kind of be intrigued to see him and Sabonis play together. So it's just it's just one of those things you're playing smaller. That's what that's what Bjorkman wants to do. So having those double big lineups probably won't happen too often. But I think there's going to be times where they have to play together just for them to get the, the the minutes they need on the court. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. I mean, I think just finding a, a way to balance versatility and, and showing different looks, I think, is going to be the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I look at, too. I mean, now uh, all the odds are set for uh, for the NBA season. Um, I think the Pacers are currently tabbed by most is uh, 39 and a half is uh, the betting line for uh for wins this season so that'd be like around um you know like a 48 win pace for for 82 games maybe a little bit less um i i think one thing that i i want to get out that i've uh i'm trying to figure out how to word it like i I don't want to say that this team is going to be worse than last year i completely think the opposite actually but i do want to temper expectations a little bit um just because i think going in you know i think there's obviously this idea i i saw people throw out the um, Isaiah Thomas getting fired and Rick Carlisle coming into coach. And then they were a 61 win team. Um, this is not that team and that's not to, you know, besmirch them, but I mean, Jermaine O'Neal was a top five player in the league. Uh, Ron Artest was a top 15 player in the league. Like that, that's not the kind of environment that Nate Bjorkman is going into. Right. The Pacers just aren't at that level right now. So I think if this team loses more to start the year and takes a while to get going, I wouldn't be surprised personally. And I think, there will be a lot more bumps in the road than, than people are expecting just because, you know, you look at what Nate McMillan did so well. And I think I always want to put out Nate McMillan is a good coach. He was a good coach. Obviously things didn't work out in the playoffs. I think part of that's roster construction, but obviously a lot is just um, him really struggling to strategize uh, for the playoffs. Um, but, you know, the reason the Pacers were so freaking successful in the regular season is because he treated every game like a playoff game. The rotations were pretty much set. I mean, and the Pacers just, he was able to get more effort and, and maximize what they were doing on a night to night basis. Um, yeah. So with this team, probably, well, not probably, I mean, by all accounts, they're going to run a deeper rotation. They're going to be a lot more fluid in what they're doing. Um, I think that opens up the door for more losses and I, and it's a good thing. Cause I think that'll translate to the playoffs more, but I just think that's something important to note going into the year. No, I think you make a great point, and it's 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 weird because when you say the Pacers, like I have them slotted in as a seventh seed yep, uh, in too. the Eastern Conference, I think a lot of people do, and the only reason I'm saying that is like 
top of the East is really good. I mean, you've got you've got Drew Holiday now in Milwaukee. You've got you know hopefully Kevin Durant healthy. I mean, I'm not sure where they're going to finish. Personally, I feel like Philadelphia made some nice trades this yeah, offseason to get themselves a little bit better and it makes more sense for the modern day. They got a new coach in there, and they've also got a GM and Daryl Moore who's not going to be afraid to make a move. So that's the thing. Like we know James Harden, you know, there could be an opportunity to go get him. Does Philadelphia go out and try to make a trade for him if things aren't clicking with Simmons and Embiid? Who knows? But that is something to keep in the back of your mind. Boston, I think they're a team that could take a little bit of a step back with Kemba's injury yeah. and losing Gordon Hayward. Toronto lost both their bigs. And then, of course, um, Miami is still Miami. They did lose Jay Crowder, but I don't feel like anything was like over-the-top significant where I feel like they're going to take a major step back. So when I look at the Pacers, like, sure, like I don't think finishing seventh is actually the worst worst thing in the world because number one the only thing that sucks about that is you got to have that stupid play-in game which (laughs) which it is what it is i get why they do it for ratings on on tv but to me if you play 72 games this year why do you need uh, a best of three series basically to prove uh why you deserve that spot over a 10 seed in the eastern conference but besides that you know mark i I think this team is going to have to learn as they as they go and they haven't had a proper training camp like normal it's it's totally different and you know they do have continuity so if there is continuity and there is excitement i think that could translate to maybe getting a little bit more connected uh earlier than later but i still think when you add a new coach when you're when you're trying to figure out how to play against some of these more talented teams you know sometimes talent just is gonna out i mean talent is just gonna out talent the pacer sometimes the better talent and the other teams might might beat us and that's not a knock on the Pacers it's just like they don't have that top 20 player on their team right now so all in all I mean even if they finish seventh I'm not too worried about it because I feel like this year is just a great year for Bjork to get his feet wet and really kind of showcase what he's all about and maybe the Pacers after this season can really start building the roster for what his uh, for what his system you know really strengthens yeah no that's a really great point I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think um this is not like a, I don't want to say it's not a make or break year. Like it is, it's important that this team develops and, and shows something and, and improves. Um, but at the same time, you look, the core is still relatively young. Old guys, Malcolm Brogdon, he's 28, you know, Vic's 28 as well. Uh, Domas and, and Miles are both only 25. Um, actually, Domas is 24, I think. I could be, uh, I believe. Um, but it, it's, yeah. And same thing with TJ. I mean, TJ is 27. Um, this group has time together, you know, they're, they're going to be able to keep growing together. I think, um, and Pritchard could obviously make some kind of move. Um, but that's what this year is about, you know, trying to develop that and see that, see what this team has, because frankly, that you haven't really gotten to see what the team has the last two or three years, just because of the way injuries have worked out and, um, just kind of misfortune in the playoffs. So that's kind of where we're going headed into this year. Yeah. And I said this on, uh, setting the pace with, with Fachi on Thursday, and I, I didn't go too deep into it because I don't think it's going to happen. But let's just say the Pacers do get the seventh seed and you're going up against a team that, you know, let's say for some reason it's like the Wizards who just got Russell Westbrook and, you know, they have, Brad, they have Bradley Beal. They fall to 10 somehow because of injuries and they're both healthy now come that playing game. That's a scary matchup for the Pacers just because those two guys are guys that are, you know, considered top 20 talents. So they could go out there and win a game in a do or die situation like that. And the Pacers could do everything they could to stop them, but it might not matter. So um, that's the only thing I have concerns about with this upcoming season. But at the same time, if you're, if you're not sure if Vic's going to come back and you're not sure what the future is for miles, you know, he's been in trade talks the last couple of years. 
I hate to say this because I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but like missing the playoffs this year might not be the worst thing. And I know we talk a lot about like, oh, like the fit. We don't want to get younger. You know, uh, this core is at like 24, 25, 28. Like we don't want to get a rookie in here. What are they going to really do? But personally, like if you're saying that with McMillan, I understand that more. But I feel like with Bjorkren, a guy that's really all about player development and how deep this draft is, getting a lottery pick in this year's draft might not be the worst thing. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah, 2021 draft is going to be insanely good. Um, just by all accounts so far. Um, have you watched Cade Cunningham at all, by the way? He's just, I haven't got a chance so to good, watch man. a lot of college yet. It's been yeah. unfortunate. I've been so busy uh, with, with just life. But I, I definitely am going to take some time to watch more college basketball this year because I still feel like even if we get the seventh seed in the in the Eastern Conference, like you're still talking about a top you know, 18, 19 pick. So there's still going to be talent there. And if they can, you know, maybe trade the pick and a, and a player to move up in the draft, like there's still things they could do to get some talent. I just feel like this draft is so loaded that the Pacers, you know, could benefit, you know, and get a cheaper contract, which is something that I think would help them uh, financially wise. If they lose Vic and they can kind of get victory placement on, on the rookie scale deal, like that, that's not the, that's not the worst scenario. So not the scenario I'm expecting or predicting, but I'm just saying if it's a scenario, I don't think it's the worst thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that I've got two more things I want to cover. The number one, uh, what are your thoughts on the first part of the schedule? Um, I kind of want to go from there. Uh, it's not, well, it's yeah. not too hard. I mean, you got, you got the Knicks twice. You got Cleveland. Who's not very good. Chicago is a team that I think will be okay. Uh, playing Boston back to back in Indianapolis, that'll be interesting to see how that goes, because I think Boston's gotten worse, but I still think they're really good. So I mean, you've got you know six six seven games there, I believe, or six games, yeah, that are you know semi semi winnable. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go six and oh, but there's a good chance they can go five and one four and two, get off to a nice start. But yeah, then that West Coast road trip happens really quick this year. Yeah. And they got some tough teams, you know. I think Phoenix is going to be really good. Clippers, Portland, uh, the Warriors, the Kings. I don't really think the Kings will be that good this year, but they could still, you know. I feel like the Kings always play the Pacers well in in Sacramento. So, you know, they, they've got a tough they've got a tough road ahead of them. But I just think the NBA is really good this year. And you know, aside from the bottom feeders in both conferences, I mean, you're going to be playing more tough games than you are going to be playing, you know week week games in a sense with with bottom feeders but yeah beginning of the schedule though i think if they can get off to about a four four and two start that's a great momentum builder to kind of grow from from the season if they struggle against the knicks and the Cavs and the bulls then i might be a little bit worried about this team uh getting that chemistry early on yeah no i agree i think it's a it's a pretty solid start. I, the, uh, the Western conference road trip that early is definitely a little, uh, the scary is the wrong word to put it, but it'll be uh, intriguing to see how they, how they factor into that and, and how they play. I love that you get Boston back to back in Indianapolis. Um, I think that's kind of uh, energizing considering uh, it's not that they don't play well in Boston, but they play so much better at bankers life. So that'll be cool to see. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I'm kind of left with, and a little bit of an overall debate that I want to have, or not even debate, because I think you're going to feel similarly to me. Um, what are your thoughts on the, a the Pacers having only two nationally televised games in the first half, um, and then also the way that the nationally televised games have been split in general? Because obviously everything's about money. I get that. I totally understand that. Uh, Indiana is not the biggest market, so I get why it's down. Um, but you look at a team like Atlanta. Um, 
they have, I believe they're in pretty much the same boat, you know, and the Pelicans have like 17 nationally televised games in the first half of the season, which I understand what a big player Zion is and, and how his future can kind of impact the league. But I think at the same time, like, come on, man, I, I, there are so many other players and teams in the league that are up and coming and young and something that should be showcased. And I think the league's kind of doing a poor job of that, to be frank. Yeah, I mean, okay, let me just put it this way. If you're a casual fan of the NBA, who on the paces are you really looking forward to seeing play? That's a good point. You know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not, because I know a lot of like my generation, like I was born in the 90s. So I'm all about, you know, loyalty team, stuff like that. I'm I'm for the players making their own decisions, but I'm not someone that's going to be like, oh, I'm following Paul George wherever he goes. I'm going to be a Paul George fan. You know, I I strictly just, I'm a Pacers fan. That's just who I am, whether you're on the team or not. So I'm, you know, loyal to my, to the team as a fan. But I think a lot of kids, especially the ones that are watching at today's day, they follow the player. That's why LeBron James has such a big following. I know he's, you know, the greatest player, you know, we've seen in the last 20 years by, by a long shot. So I get why he's got a big following, but like Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic, like these guys are people that you're not even a fan of their team, but you just want to watch them play because they have so many great, you know, they have so much potential to be great. And we've seen some of that from Luka already. I mean, I think he finished fifth in MVP, MVP voting last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Pacers had an all NBA player last year. So you know, I think the Pacers are a good team. You know, we have them as a seventh seed. I mean, no offense, but it's like, I just, I mean, I like seeing them on national TV because I want them to get the respect, uh, you know, because they were a four seed, but I just don't think they have that draw to them right now with, with the players that they have on their team. They're a good team. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, but I'm not like whatever. But I do think the Pelicans, what'd you say? They had 17 games in the first it's half. It's something like that. Yeah, the Hawks have one and the Grizzlies have yeah. two, which like to me, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the well, Hawks the- got so much better this offseason. Trey yeah. is just as much of a, well, he's not me. I know Zion is much more of a hype train than Trey, but I mean, Trey is damn good. I like uh, watching Trey. I love watching Trey. Like, exactly. He- <laughs> like, see, I, I, I know it's hard because I'm I'm definitely a basketball purist. I watch a little bit a little bit too much of it, um, but for my own good, right? Well, um, no, it's and fair. I know I you're coming great. from the same place too, but like, so I, I understand like the casual fan part, but at the same time, like, I think the NBA has to look at it in terms of, okay, well, if we want casual fans to care about Atlanta or care about some of these smaller teams, that's a great, we point. have to market them, you know? Yeah, that, that's, that was going to be my next counter to my own argument was it, it's hilarious because if you look at any other, any other sport, MLB, NFL, they don't care what market you're in. They no. just they just promote whatever. And, the, and I mean, of course, you're going to get like Kansas City is not a big market, but Patrick Mahomes is a big name. You know, Cleveland wasn't really a big market, but they had LeBron. So personally, for me, it's like I want to see the NBA do a better job of promoting smaller markets like New Orleans is a small market mm-hmm. and their fan base. You know, it's 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 OK. It's kind of fair weather, but they were super excited for Zion. They sold out quick. I think that triggered nba like hey people want to see this guy so let's get him on tv as much as possible but i want to see trey young i want to see a lot of these young players like i want to see john morant more than i do um there's i want to see devin booker which i think we're going to see more of the Suns this year just because of them getting chris paul but i want to see more of these small market teams play but i don't want to see them play teams like the lakers where they're going to get trounced and not have a good name for themselves i want to see two small market teams play but if they're not going to draw the ratings and i understand why the nba is like pushing back on that because they probably got national like TV, like ESPN, TNT saying, Hey, we would rather have more high profile teams play. But 
I mean, you got Charles Barkley coming on there saying, oh, this is a snooze fest. Like when you have your own analyst talking about how boring the game is, like how are you going to get fans into it? So maybe they need to do a better job of hyping up these small market teams to get more people invested. But I, I, I agree with that, though. I mean, if you want these small market teams to exist and thrive, then you have to do a better job of promoting it. Yeah, I, I, you're not going to hear any pushback from me on that. I totally agree with. As much as I love Charles Barkley, like he's a he's a national treasure on TV. But I think it's hilarious. Yeah, but. he's he's fantastic. I think some people go a little bit too hard on him. Um, but uh, like exactly when when you talk about like guys coming on, and I know it's his like who we play for bit is pretty funny, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you got you, you got to be uh, you got to be enjoying what you're doing and 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 presenting it in a way that makes people care because I think frankly, sometimes it's not luckily. I mean, we have great, uh, great coverage in Indiana, but some of the national television can be a little bit uh, apathetic towards uh, non-championship teams. I think would be a good way to put it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Sorry. I got distracted because I just got a bunch of notifications about James Harden, not being at training camp today. Oh yeah. You just noticed that. <laughs> I, I, I just got the notifications from, uh, from Mark Stein. I, I hadn't been paying attention to my Twitter much. So sorry. That, that popped oh, up right wow. There. Okay. Yeah. Like, Here's the t- Tim McMahon just posted this Steven Silas, who is the Rockets coach for those listening on James Harden's commitment to the Rockets. That's a question you're going to have to ask him when he gets here. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't look good for Houston. And I started I ended up deleting my tweet, but I put out my Western Conference standings and I had James Harden and the Rockets missing in the playoffs this year. And everyone's like, you're an idiot. You don't know basketball. But I realized they were Rockets fans, so I understood why they were upset. But it's just like if Harden didn't want to be there, like I don't I don't care what anybody says. I felt like the, the Westbrook trade was the prelude to the Harden trade. And I just feel like there's a lot of good teams in the Western Conference, and if Houston's not focused, they're, they're going to get beat because Westbrook was really good for them for like two months. So, yeah, but anyway, yeah. So what were you saying? I'm sorry. Let's go back to that. I apologize. No, no, you're totally good. Um, I actually <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought, to be completely <laughs> honest. But um, that seems like just about a good place to leave off. I, I think we got some good stuff in. Uh, we're definitely going to be having quite a few more podcasts on, on both feeds or, or wherever. Um, yeah heading into the end of the year um what what's kind of what's what's new and exciting in your life you want people to know about or what are you most looking forward to i mean really you know i'm just excited to actually watch basketball and talk about it we spent a lot of this you know last three months trying to talk about off-season stuff and it's it's fun to speculate it's fun to throw out trade ideas and look at guys the pacers could make a move for or you know sign a free agency stuff like that but at the end of the day like sometimes i think we forget as nba fans like it's not about just the moves you make, but it's about the actual stuff that happens on the court. And that's what is so fun about this game is like anything can happen. Like I'm, I'm just excited to see this Pacers team continue to grow under Bjorkren. I'm excited to see the new offense and I'm excited to talk about that because I want to see, you know, Edmund Sumner holding that, that championship belt, you know, that. for the most of like, <laughs> you like, look so I, happy in that picture, man. Yeah. That happy gonna, makes me happy. Well, and he said that they're going to change it up every single uh, practice like for different things to get the belt which i think is great like if you're gonna have a rebounding battle like i'd love to see goga go out there and just beat domas and miles in that category just because i think that show like hey this guy's really working hard in practice it gives us more of a glimpse of what's actually happening because everything's so like you can't figure it out but uh you can't see what's happening what's going on there's no media there to really talk about it they're all doing zoom conference calls and all that so it it is a bit frustrating but i will say this uh for all my fox sports watchers here in indianapolis if you cannot get the pacers uh games on 
YouTube TV anymore or Hulu, you're going to have to go to like AT&T or something or buy NBA TV because I had the same problem. And I've had a lot of people say we can't get our regional sports networks here. Uh, I had to make the switch to AT&T TV and it's actually really nice, but there that's something to keep an eye on. If you haven't checked, make sure uh, if you're wanting to watch these games that you actually do have that channel, because I know a lot of people have been dropping regional sports networks. Yeah, that's been happening. I know my, uh, my friends in Denver, they, I think it's altitude sports network. They, uh, they they are not signed with anyone so you cannot stream their games like you have to wait for league pass games from them like it's uh it's kind of a nightmare a little bit but that's yeah. another thing i'm not looking forward to my uh the, the um the, the the cap hit on on my bank account from league pass but we're all, we'll get there when it happens i still have a week before i have to think about I'll, it so i'll give you i'll give you a brief little uh way you can get around it try crackstreams.com i don't know if you've ever been there or not but when i was having issues watching the Pacers uh, on Pacers.com during the bubble. Like I think it was like the scrimmage games or whatever. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get Pacers.com to let me watch it. It said I wasn't within uh, 90 miles when I lived eight miles from downtown. So I ended up having to watch it on crack streams, but that's where I also watched the, uh, the Tyson Jones fight. So yeah, I mean, they've got, and the stream is actually really nice. So uh, I <laughs> just, just check that out. But uh, that's that's where you can get a lot of uh, NBA games because they actually do stream NBA, uh, MMA, and boxing, and I think they do MLS as well. All right, well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, save well, some money. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I have music to my ears, man. Got to <laughs> prepare myself for the move to Indy, so I have to save up. Um, well, man, this was fun as always. Uh, Alex, thanks again for coming on. To everyone listening, of course, be sure to go follow Alex. Listen to Setting the Pace. Um, go rate and review his show as well. They do fantastic work over there. And uh, just thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.